0: Say good morning, greet you in Christ's name. It's good to be here. I've enjoyed the service so far. It's been a, a blessing the Sunday school time and getting to see some folks we haven't for a while. Good to see the, the summer's extended Summers family here. It's a blessing to see you all be with you this morning. The title of the message this morning is called A Sign of Authority our head covering tradition and the text is 1 Corinthians 11 uh, verses 2 to 16 we want to do a study this morning on the head covering tradition that we have as a uh, Mennonite church there is a touching scene in the story of Ruth recorded in the Old Testament. I think most of you remember that story. She's a young Moabite woman who married into this Israelite family who was exiled in the land of Moab. And she lost her young married husband and her mother-in-law Naomi lost her husband. And they were returning, Naomi was returning to the land of Israel, and Ruth had committed to this family. Ruth had married into the family, but she was committed to this family in a way that's really inspiring to me. She was a committed wife, and the beauty of her commitment to what what her husband had stood for is open for all to see. In this scene, Ruth's mother-in-law is telling Ruth to go back to her people and to her gods. But Ruth would not leave uh, her mother-in-law because of her faith in God's working in her life despite personal disaster. She was committed to following God into a foreign country. As I was thinking of the uh, topic of the head covering and what that symbolizes, I think the story of Ruth is, is inspiring. There is a parallel meaning or parallel illustration here the head covering is a symbol of commitment and obedience to the Lordship of Christ and His claim on their lives of our ladies. It is obedience to the Word. It is a beautiful testimony to those who observe, who, who are looking on. 1 Corinthians 11 calls the veiling a sign of authority. I'd like to share with us in, in opening here, the testimony of a young woman in Pennsylvania and her testimony is found on effortofministries.org. It's the testimony of Elizabeth Heaps. I'll never wear one of those things were the words from my mouth years ago to some Mennonite friends. Where does it say that in the Bible? They told me where. My prayer became, O oh Lord, why me? You convict my heart if it's true and I'll obey. They were only words, but in time the need for obedience was to follow and that's where it got very difficult. Every fleshly argument prevailed. My husband laughed at each one and said, why don't you stop fighting and just obey? It was not the head veiling itself that was my stumbling block, but all the things it represented. Dying to the flesh and to the desire to be accepted, standing out, being judged for religious bondage, for real submission to my husband, and in spotlighting different areas that weren't submitted. Ouch. I had to ask the Lord to deal with and cleanse my rebellious heart and to help me simply obey Him despite all the circumstances and the emotions and the feelings that were so intense. He gave me First Peter over and over again through my struggles. Yet it was so very simple and peaceful once I put it on physically and spiritually. And following my obedience, God is blessed to reveal much more fully the deeper meanings of his own covering over me personally and through my husband. Instead of religious bondage, it has meant spiritual freedom. For God so blesses a simple obedience to his word. In such obedience, he gives us a glimpse into some of the mysteries and ways in which he covers his faithful children from both the enemy and ourselves. And I praise God for that. Amen. Amen. The teaching on the Christian's head covering is not new to most of us. We grew up, many of us, in Mennonite settings, and so it's not new to us. We've pretty much been exposed to it. And uh, for some of you, it's maybe a little newer. You didn't grow up in a Mennonite setting. But my goal for this morning's teaching is to solidify our understanding of Scripture, pure and simple. What does the Bible say, and why are we doing this? Why are we covering... Why are our ladies covering their heads? Um, I find that just maybe my, my experience is not representative, but I, I find that that topic becomes a little vague in our minds. Why exactly are we covering our heads? And we are actually getting uh, from feedback from a lot of those in, in, in process settings where they don't practice this. And we begin to start questioning, is this just a tradition that has no basis in Scripture? And so I think it's good to to solidify our understanding, to uh, to be able to understand why it is we are doing this and what the Scripture actually says. You will find, um, you will be exposed to uh, young people, usually not always young people, but people that are maybe leaving a Mennonite, a conservative Mennonite setting, and they're taking off their coverings and they're telling you that, you know, the Bible really doesn't mean what it says in First Corinthians 11. They're saying, well, that's not really, you know, that's just a cultural thing and and, and so on and so forth. And they're making these changes and, and they're trying to convince their own conscience, I think, and to convince you that, in fact, it doesn't matter whether we follow the Scripture or not. And I think it does matter. It matters very much that we, that we follow scriptural commands, that we are willing to literally follow the commands that the Apostle is giving to us in 1 Corinthians 11. And I find that in our our, uh, Protestant churches and in ministries that you listen to, maybe on the radio or online, there is a lot of avoidance of this particular topic. It's just kind of dismissed. And people who I respect as Bible teachers online, and I I don't want to defame anyone or call out people online, but there's people, Bible teachers, who I think are very, very good teachers of Scripture, and they're very um, learned. They, they, they know the original languages and they, they, they understand Bible teaching. Um, I've disappointed in, in them on this subject. They tend to avoid it. They tend to dismiss it and just move on. And uh, I, I think that's not correct. That's not right. There are a few notable exceptions. Um, one of them on this subject is, is R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul, you may recognize, his, uh, has, uh, is a founder and chairman of Ligonier Ministries. And I share a quote here from R.C. Sproul Jr. about the subject of the head veiling. He says, The church has rejected this practice in the last 30 or 40 years, not because of its new... Not because of new interpretive insights, but because of pressure from the world. Generally, until 50 years ago, every woman in every church covered their head. What has happened in the last 50 years? We've had a feminist movement. That sounds pretty harsh to say that. But it's true. Um, R.C. Sproul makes a, a real point here. And I want to enlarge on this just a bit more. Another source of uh, a good reading for you if you want to brush up on this subject is, is the book uh, Covered Glory. It's by David Phillips. He's not a Mennonite fellow. He's a Protestant writer, and he uh, is writing a book on, uh, on the uncalled cover- Covered Glory, and I, I found that to be a real help in brushing up my understanding of this subject. So why has the Western Church moved away from the head-covering in worship, I, um, I'm a troubleshooter in my day job. I fix stuff. I'm uh, constantly fixing things. And I'm trying to figure out what has gone wrong. And the key qu- question when I go to a piece of equipment or something like that is, what has changed? What is different now than it was before? I have to figure out what, what has changed and why did it change? You know, it was working perfectly at one point, hopefully, but now something has changed. What has changed? And I, the question I, I have to ask with the teaching on the, on the head covering is what has changed? And I think that's key to understanding. Is it because we somehow have gained new understanding of Scripture or is there something else that has actually changed? And it is something else that has changed. It's not the understanding of the Scripture. Something else has changed the advent of Western Christianity's problem with a woman's head covering corresponds almost completely and directly with the women's liber movement of the 20th century. Challenge me if you will, but that's exactly where it came in. The fact that we don't want to wear a head covering for worship anymore has almost directly correlated with, with the uh, women's liver movement if you want to. Freedom from authority is represented in our Western culture by an uncovered head and free-flowing hair. As a modern woman, nobody can tell me what to do, and I am nobody's personal vassal. Thank you very much. I am woman. I will answer to nobody. I am woman. Hear me roar. The problem lies in the fact that when I take Scripture and adjust it to external influence, then I'm going wrong. It's true, sometimes I get to a clearer understanding of Scripture, and that's beautiful, and you should follow that clearer understanding, but when we adjust our understanding of Scripture because of other pressures, that's when it becomes wrong. And, and in the Mennonite church, um, this has become a, a real factor. It becomes a, it be, It's adapted to the pressures of the culture rather than than the scriptures, and uh, we start down that slope of of uh, adjusting our understanding of scripture. Because if culture, not the other way around, then we're on a slippery slope, I believe, and we won't end up at a good place. I want to look just a little bit about history and the covering before we get into discussion of First Corinthians eleven. David Bursell, some of you familiar with this writer, he did a study back through history of the of the women's head covering, and he has some he he unearthed some uh, drawings and paintings and so on that I want to share with you quickly this morning. First one here is the is a picture taken of a carving in the catacombs underneath Rome. There was a, in the uh, second century. Uh, under Rome, there, was the, uh, there were pictures of, of ladies uh, that were carved in there with, by the Christians and they did depict a woman's head covering being worn. In the 800s in England, they, they did have somewhat of a veiling going on. Pictures from the 1400s in England. In 1500s in Europe, you see some large veilings during the worship services. In the, in the 1600s again in Europe. And this is, I think, a lot of times... I've often wondered why they call the certain kind of covering that we see in some of our Mennonite churches. We used to wear them here, and some of you still do, maybe. I'm not sure. They call it the European covering. And it's the, the covering, that, the little bonnet that fits on the back of the head with it used to be strings and no longer strings. And, and, and I think if you look at this picture, you'll see that that's kind of where that came from. That's what the the style of the coverings in the 1600s in Europe would have been something like that. Then the pilgrims in New England, and in Europe again, and then it became kind of a fashion statement in England, the big hats. Uh, 1800s, United States. And then a fascinating picture I see from taken from top down in a uh, communion service in a Presbyterian church as late as 1948, where the, a lot of the ladies would have worn a veiling a during the worship service uh, for over that period of time. And this is about the time when it started, uh, started disappearing, uh, would have been around that time. In the East... Further east in India and even in parts of Russia and, and uh, Eastern Europe and so on, there's still, if it's still a widely practiced thing would be the, the head veil to be worn during worship times. There is a, uh, most of you are probably aware of it, there is a website called the Head Covering Movement. And I would encourage you to peruse that if you have some interest in in exploring the subject some more it is a fairly recent phenomenon. there is a group of evangelicals who have discovered the head covering and they are really interpreting the scripture um, literally i believe and taking it seriously and i found it a refreshing place to go because these people are just like children discovering a new truth something that we Mennonites have been talking about since many generations. These people are just discovering. And it's refreshing to listen to their perspective. And you can listen to sermons on that site. uh, And uh, there's books and so on. You are available through that ministry, the head covering movement. Okay, let's look at our study this morning. The, The text is 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 to 16. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn there and stand as we read. 1 Corinthians 11. Begin reading at verse 2 and through verse 16, which is the context for, the, for this subject. I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, We have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. You may be seated. I want to begin here with a word about traditions. He mentions the word traditions in verse 2 of our text. If I were to ask you what springs to your mind when I use the word traditions, I would be a little bit afraid of what I might hear. Especially from your younger people, you know, our traditions, that's a bunch of bunk. You know, get rid of them, get them out of here, they're just traditions. I want to talk about that just a little bit. The word tradition is can, can be a bad word, but it shouldn't be. Traditions are not all that we apply to them. Traditions, uh, the word tradition here is from the Greek word, which is... Uh, paradosis, which means a giving over which is done by word of mouth or in writing. Tradition is simply something that is passed on. A tradition is something that is passed on. If I do something a certain way, if we do something a certain way in our family and we pass it on to our children and then they end up doing it in their family, that is a tradition that's being carried on. It may be good, it may be bad. Traditions are not inherently good or bad in themselves. They are a way of passing on a practice that happens. And tradition is, is, is something that when it relates to Scripture, we need to be careful not to dismiss it because it is tradition, but because we need to look at the source. Where did this tradition come from? What is driving this tradition? Is it based on Scripture or is it not based on Scripture? And that's why we have to judge the traditions. And uh, Paul is commending the Corinthians for maintaining the traditions that he gave. Uh, other translations of this text here would be ordinances. The King James uses the word ordinances, and the NIV would use the word teachings. But they, it is something that's being passed on, and uh, it doesn't need to be negative. It can be. It can be very, very positive if it's a good tradition. If it's based on scriptures, traditions that are not based on scriptures can be good or bad, it's just something that's passed on, and uh, and it, it you, you place more value on them if they in fact are from scripture. Okay, what is the head covering? This is what that is confusing to me, and have I've been confused reading this passage from. Uh, growing up, what actually is the head covering? I think we need to settle that before we go any further. What, in fact, is the head covering? You see mentioned in this passage, uh, you hear people talking about the covered head, the uncovered head, talk about long hair, about short hair, about nature teaching us stuff, about angels getting involved here somehow. And there are three possibilities that have been proposed. One is something worn on top of the head, Number two, the long hair. And three, even the husband as being a covering. There are... Those are things that that are discussed as being the covering that's being talked about here in 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, Something that you would put on the head, uh, the long hair itself, or the husband, which is a, a, a spiritual covering, if you will. What is being discussed here in this passage of Scripture? And we want to talk about that wikipedia and i know you don't go to wikipedia for authoritative stuff but let me share with you what the they say the head covering is wikipedia says the christian head covering is the veiling of the head by women in a variety of christian traditions some cover only in public worship while others believe they should cover their heads all the time the biblical basis for head coverings is found in 1 corinthians 11 2 to 16 Our text this morning, though head covering was practiced by most Christian women up until the 1960s, it is now a minority practice among contemporary Christians in the West, although it remains the norm in the East. That's Wikipedia's article, and I I think it's accurate. The Greek terms that Paul used when referring to the covering, as well as evidence from the Corinthian culture, And the early church indicate that Paul is primarily referring to a piece of cloth worn over the woman's head. So primarily, as we look through the covering, you'll find the passage here refers to primarily, mostly, the piece of cloth that that is worn on, on the head. And the early church fathers would confirm that this was the practice of the Corinthian believers and the New Testament church. Uh, Some of the fathers that speak to this would be Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, Hippolytus, and Jerome. They, They would mention the fact that that was the practice in the early church. What about the teaching of some that the woman's hair is actually the head covering that Paul is referencing in this passage? There would be those that you'll be in touch with that will practice, will tell you that the long hair is in fact the covering. And And toward the end of the passage, it almost could seem to be saying that, that the woman's long hair. And you've seen some of the uh, ladies from a traditional, maybe, I'm not sure what churches, I'd probably be wrong in saying this, but maybe a primitive Baptist church or some church where they would actually take their long hair and they'll wind it up and put it on top of their head and fasten it that way, and that is their covering. That's the way their understanding of the covering would be. And so they would be looking at the long hair. And I've heard it dismissed. Uh, We don't need to wear a cloth covering. Our ladies don't need to wear a cloth covering because the hair is the covering. And so we need to establish what is the covering as is talked about here in this passage of Scripture. We need to get that clear. The thing that really helped me to understand is the fact that there are actually two head coverings that are talked about in 1 Corinthians 11 two distinct head coverings are talked about. Um, there is a piece of cloth that is put on your head or some type of covering that is put on your head. And then there is the long hair. Paul mentions two different coverings there in that passage of Scripture. They are, it is clear. It, is, it becomes very clear as we discuss this, and I think it will become clear to you if it isn't already, that there are two distinct coverings that Paul is talking about here. What are the distinctions between those two coverings in this passage of Scripture? Number one, there is the uh, when it is worn. The command in Scripture is clearly that, that, a, that a, a woman is to, when they are praying or prophesying, they are to put on a covering. This would be something that is uh, taken off or could be taken off uh, or put on. The hair is what? Permanently attached, okay? It's not something that you take, put on and take off. So when the reference is made to putting on something for a particular occasion, it would be the cloth covering. And the other was something that it happens naturally. Okay, the long hair is, 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 uh, is that. So it is, it is when it is worn, sets up the distinction between these two coverings. Number two, who puts it on? Uh, verse 14 of our text says, Does not nature teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Basically saying, when, when we're talking about the hair, it is something that happens naturally. Okay? It is something that God has created uh, us with. Uh, the other is not a naturally occurring thing. The covering, the cloth, is not doesn't happen by itself. It's something that we physically have to, to make up and then put on. So who puts it on? The person or God or, or nature, if you want to say it that way. So that's the distinction between the two types of covering. Number three, how the wearing is taught. Uh, verse 14 and 15 teaches that the... Uh, Wearing of hair is something that is taught by nature. Women usually have longer hair than men, regardless of their religion. I don't know if you knew that. How many of you knew that women usually have longer hair than men? Naturally occurring. Yes, it, that's true. Now, some men out there have some pretty long hair. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's always there, but it is there. The cloth, cloth covering is not taught by nature. The long hair is taught by nature because women's hair being somewhat different than men. Number four, its relationship to religion. The use of a cloth head covering is not naturally intuitive. It is a unique practice taught by scripture. So the cloth that our ladies put on their head is something that is taught by scripture. It is not naturally occurring. It is not taught by nature, it is taught by the apostle here in verses 2 to 10. It is used for religious purposes, religious reasons, not the hair so much. The hair is worn long by people who are not religious at all. And number five, its purpose or effect What does the covering accomplishing? What does the hair accomplish? The naturally growing long hair. The scripture here teaches us that it is a glory. It is something that is revealed to be beautiful. In a woman's long hair, it is her glory, it says. And the cloth covering is not for that, it is to cover that up. Two totally different purposes. For those coverings, one is a glory and one is a covering. One is a, uh, a a covering up, if you will. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But a woman is the glory of man. But if a woman has long hair, it is is it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a, a covering, a, co- a glorious covering. Whereas the other covering, the cloth, is to to cover up. If you have your Bibles open, look closely at verse 6. And distinguishing here between these two coverings, and I was trying to show this to an Australian fellow who came to our Wednesday night service the other evening and showing to him, because well, he doesn't, didn't understand the covering and he's a Baptist uh, back, uh, church in Australia. Look at verse Six And I'm going to now show you, I'm going to take and transpose the word long hair for covering in verse 6. And see how, see how it's impossible for these two to have the same meaning. The long hair and the covering are, are, are distinct, they're not the same. For if a wife will not wear long hair, then she should cut her hair short. Makes no sense. That is, that is a, 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 a nonsensical statement. But if it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her wear long hair. Not, you cannot transpose those two. They don't make sense. They also, if you are in a Bible student, look up the words, the Greek words for covering. If you look at the first part, verses 5 to 10, 11, it is one Greek word. When you look at 15, and 16, it is a totally different Greek word, meaning the long hair. It is, a, it is used in a different sense. The, the English translation is covering, but it is not the same Greek word. Okay, having set that all up, I want to go through the remainder of time here and, and look at the scriptural basis for the head covering as we teach it in our tradition. What is a scriptural basis for the wearing of the head covering. And there are at least five basic arguments that the Apostle makes here. And a word on that before I begin, are these, these five statements. When you listen to folks defending the practice of not wearing a covering, they will give you reasons that they have come up with for not wearing a covering. And there are reasons that they put in there, but they totally reject the apostles' reasoning. The apostle gives reasons for wearing a covering, but the folks who are rejecting that today don't use the apostles' reasons. They totally ignore the reasons that the apostle is giving and come up with their own reasons. And that's not, that's not what we should be doing with Scripture. He gives the reason, let's use his reasoning and his understanding. Okay, the first one is to show the headship order. Verse 3 of our text. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to look that up. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Then verse 8, For a man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Verse 11, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man or man of woman. For as a woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. And basically, and I think you're familiar with this teaching, there is a headship order set up in Scripture. It is God, Christ, man, and woman. That's considered a headship order. This structure, I haste to add before I hear, see stones coming, throwing from the audience, is not a depiction of someone's value, but an authority structure. The person at the bottom is valuable, the person in the middle is valuable, the person in the top is valuable. It's not, an, it's not a somehow, this person is, is more valuable, this person is more important. No, absolutely not. This is a, a, an authority order, merely. That's what that is. And the scripture is there to denote that, that order of authority. Man is not more valuable than woman, but has been tasked with authority by God. This authority structure was set up by creation. Man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Between you and me and the fence post, I think one of the re- problems that folks have with the head covering is that it, uh, it, 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 they don't like the authority structure. They just really don't like it. What, you here, me here? I don't like that. And I won't have it. So I think that is part of our American culture and in our American churches it has come right in through everything that we do in, in America is, is, a, is a culture where we will not accept that authority structure that God has set up. And uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to go beyond that. Another stigma I think that has actually affected the American reasons for uh, American ladies from not wanting to wear a covering, is the stigma that's attached to the Muslim culture in which the women are denigrated. The women are treated as second-class citizens. And scripture is very clear that women are not second-class people. They are as important as any man is. They are not relegated to a second-class lower caste or something like that. That is, Paul, Paul is a champion of women's rights, although people claim he isn't. He, the, he sets up the, um, the structure that, uh, that, that God set up in creation. So that is the first argument that uh, Paul makes here, is, is the, the, the veiling is to show the headship order. It's an external, visible sign of the headship order. And when you ladies are wearing this thing in public and you're going out there, that is a sign. That is a, a sign. And it's, it's not, uh, unfortunately, sometimes it, is, is, it means things that it shouldn't. It can mean, you know, as in the burqa, that there are second class, and it shouldn't be that way. It is simply saying, I accept God's structure in my life, and I'm happy doing that. That's where I feel protected. And that's where I I am under that authority, much as someone in the military would wear a certain, would wear a certain uh, whatever uniform or stars or whatever they wear to show their authority level. There is an external symbol of authority that's there. Um, The question that falls in beside that is that: What about singles? You know, whose authority do they fall under? Older singles. That's a, that's a real question. Um, and I'm giving you my thoughts on it, not straight from Scripture, but I think it's, it falls in, in their father and it falls under elders in the church and so on. It, it is not, it's not a clear-cut thing, but it, th- there it is. Um, what about... Uh, yeah, I'll just leave that, that go there. There would be many other things that could be discussed about in, in that line of thinking. So that is the first argument, and we're, we're running short on time. I'm going to run over a little bit this morning. Number two, for glory and honor. Verse four, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Who is man's head? It is Christ. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, which would be her husband or her father or such, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair, shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. A quick translational note here. The ESV here translates it wife. A lot of translations would go woman. It would not only be a wife. I think it can be either way. But I think woman is actually the better translation there. It's not necessarily just a married woman. So what's all this thing about glory? What the deal is this? He says, if you are a man and you are worshiping, you should have an uncovered head because you are giving honor to your head, which is Christ. And we want Christ's glory to be obvious. We want Christ to be number one. And we are to not have wear a covered head because we want Christ to be honored. We want him to, His glory to be visible. Same token, our ladies would cover their head because their head in the, in the headship order is man. And their glory is covered. The glory of man is covered. The glory of Christ is revealed. The the man is in our worship. Man is subjugated, if you will. His glory is covered, and that's why a uh, the the woman is to cover her head because of her uh, directly above her, which would be her husband or or an elder. Every man who prays or prophesies with a covering on his head dishonors Christ Jesus. We show honor to God when we expose our bare head in a worship experience. We are His representative and we want God's glory to be revealed. The head of man is Christ and His glory is always to be shown. And you're going to ask me next, what about a ball cap or a hat of some type? Do I need to, when I'm praying or in a worship service, is it really important that I take that that off? I'll be frank with you, that's an American tradition more than a Bible-mandated thing to take your hat off in prayer because the hat is not a symbol of religious worship. The hat does not have religious significance to it. The same thing that if Our Ladies were to wear simply a scarf, as a head covering, that scarf may be weather protection, has no religious significance to it. That's why important. I think the, the type of covering that we wear as ladies should not be something that is mistaken for, for weather protection or some other purpose. It is important that it be associated with a religious symbol. If you merely wear a scarf that could be taken as as any meaning out of it, you're not fulfilling the purpose of the head covering. It needs to have some significance. On the flip side of that, the the Jewish men that wear the yarmulke, the little ball cap on top of their head for worship, they would be breaking this scriptural command. That should come off, because that is a religious uh, type of covering, so for glory and honor, this is what Paul says it, it, it is we we as men expose our head because of we want to honor Christ. Women would cover their head because man's glory is to be covered, not Christ's. It goes the glory goes directly to God and not man. Man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. That glory of man is to be covered during our worship experience. Christian women should put on top of their head a head covering that is obviously a religious symbol. I want to just quickly, I don't, won't take a lot of time with this, but here is a... a I think where tradition comes in that is biblical-based and tradition that is not directly commanded by Scripture. Uh, we as Mennonites practice the tradition for our ladies to wear uh, their covering at all times, basically, unless they're taking a shower or, or going to sleep maybe or something like that. But Scripture is not, does not demand that. Scripture does not demand that. I'll, I'll just say that right out front here and you can throw stones at me whenever you want to. That is a tradition that I don't have a problem with us having as Mennonites to wear it all the time, because we say, well, because you should be praying at all times. Okay, maybe true. Um, but I want to say right up front that the teaching from the apostle here is clearly for worship, um, Wearing at all times is 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 maybe going more than it would need to. I don't have a problem with that. At the same time, I think we as as Mennites with this tradition need to be careful not to judge people who have decided that they need to wear it for worship. I think we need to be careful with that. Number three, the argument is because of the angels. You should wear a covering, ladies, because Of the angels. What does that mean? I don't know. The only thing I can summarize is the apostle doesn't say what it means. You know, the angels had a big deal with authority. Remember that? The angels had a big deal with authority. Satan did not want to be under God's authority, he rebelled against God's authority, and he was thrown out of heaven. Are the angels observing this headship order? Are they observing the fact that, that our sisters are covering their heads? Maybe. That's an explanation I would have. And because of the angels. By the way, you can, you can use this argument of the apostle with your children when you can't explain something. You just tell them it's because of the angels. Okay. <laughs> Who's going to argue with that? Right? Okay. That one is that. Number four, nature's teaching about hair length. The apostle uses that argument to say that ladies should be covered because of their naturally occurring long hair and men men should not because of their naturally shorter hair. Natural hair length presents a hint for what Christian men and women should do regarding the use of head coverings. It is a natural glory to a woman to have long hair. It accentuates her femininity, I think. It's a beautiful thing. It is God's design through nature for women to have long hair. Paul says that it should be obvious that it is for her glory to wear long hair. Does this mean it needs to be uncut? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But it needs to be long. If a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him. Now it's my turn to kind of admonish our young men just a little bit about this hair thing. I don't see, I don't think I'm gonna get in trouble here this morning. I don't see any long hair at all in the men. But there's some of our men wear longish hair. And the question is, well, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll just wear long hair. I'll wear a long beard. Paul says it's a disgrace. Nature teaches you that. I can't, I'm not going to come around and measure your hair. I wouldn't want to get that close at all. But it's a disgrace for men to wear long hair. That's what it says. The scripture says that. My answer to this one is if in doubt, get a haircut. <laughs> if you don't know if your hair is too long, just get it cut. It. Number five, and finally, the reasoning for the head covering, it the universal practice of the church. And this is where a translational thing gets a little bit confusing. Look at verse 16, the last verse of our text. Most translations. Say it, this something like the ESV does. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor be the churches of God. I've heard of people want to throw the whole thing out. Just Paul gets done 15, 14 verses explaining why you should wear a head covering and in the end he says, don't worry about it. We don't have any practice like that. No, that's not what he's saying. That would be very obvious. It's not what he's saying. Listen to the NASB translation here. And this I believe is the correct rendering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. It was was the practice that they were teaching in all the early churches of that time was in fact the veiling. It was a standard practice. It wasn't a cultural thing. This is is the whole thing I hear a, a lot of things. Well, that was a cultural thing. Great Bible teachers, they just dismissed this practice. It was a cultural thing. Listen, I have news for you. It was not the culture of that day for women to wear head coverings. It wasn't. Not for worship. Not the Jewish women, not the Corinthian women. That was not the culture of that time. Well, then they, 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 it, it was a distinctly Christian teaching. The, the, the apostle here is, is a distinctly New Testament Christian teaching. The Jewish people had a different practice. The Corinthians had a different practice. The Romans had a different practice. This is a unique thing that is set up by the Apostle for the early church as under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The second thing I would say that this principle, the the, the teaching of it, is a timeless principle. Look, he goes back when he argues for it throughout this passage, and he goes all the way back to creation to argue for it. He goes through a headship order which is timeless. It's not based on some particular culture. That's where we have to... We can't just dismiss this thing and relegate it back to the first century because it was a cultural thing. It wasn't, number one. And we can't use that argument here because the principles that Paul uses to say why the covering should be worn were timeless. They are not dated to a certain culture, a certain time. And you hear things like, well... they were to to cover up so they wouldn't be mistaken for the the harlots in the temple worship that shaved their heads. That, That type of temple worship had gone out for 200 years before Paul wrote this thing. It's just all kinds of things that are being grasped in order to get away from this teaching and to somehow tell us that the scripture isn't relevant for us today. And Folks, when we take scripture and try to explain it away because of something else that we want to do, we are in a slippery slope. We are in a slippery slope. And before we know it, we're going to be like the modern, uh, the, the liberal Mennonite church where we're going to have homosexual women up here in the pastor's spot. It's exactly where we're going to end up. And that's where some of the Mennonite churches are today. Clear scripture teaching. Let's throw it out because it's not culturally relevant. Let's throw it out because God wouldn't want to do that. I don't have a God like that. Let's look at scripture honestly, carefully, prayerfully, and say, God, I I don't understand everything about it. and, And, you know, this is kind of a tough thing for me to do. But it's where from from the, my honest interpretation of Scripture, this is what you're saying, and I'm going to be obedient to what the Scripture's saying, and I'm going to be blessed. I, I I'll assure you that there's such a blessing from following the Scripture, even though uh, sometimes it doesn't totally uh, don't totally get it. Ladies, I want to wrap up this morning by saying I'm not shouting at you. I know that sometimes women can get a little dis get a little bit resentful when there's a man up front here and he's shouting out at them about a head covering. That, that's not my goal here now. this this morning. I, I'm not shouting at you. You've got to be submissive. you got to put on this thing. No, 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 no. I'm trying to teach the Word. I'm trying to teach the Word. And I'm trying to be honest. It's my best understanding of the Word. I'm not superior. I'm not more holy. I'm not more intelligent or godly than than any of you. I'm preaching the word and I want to be faithful with that. And and our response as Christians is when when the word is taught is to to be obedient to the word and to reverence the word and to give God honor through this whole process. God bless you. Should we have a song? And then we'll turn the time over to the local ministry here.